It's neither the beginning or the end. It, it, they're in the middle of it. And, and our scripture reading this morning, I want to pick up on that uh, theme. We're going, it's rather a longer reading, um, but um, it is all about a journey. And uh, it's what I've called a parable of life's journey. And it's Acts chapter 27, which is Paul's journey by sea. We're going to pick up the reading in the last verse of uh, chapter 26 and the first verse of chapter 28. So uh, it's a fairly long reading, but um, with Marilyn's help, I trust we're going to follow that journey uh, with a map. Now, this, all this technology is not really my scene, um, and I know I've got a screen down there, which uh, I might just be able to see, um, but um, nonetheless, I trust you can see that. It might just help you with all the places that are mentioned within this scripture reading that you'll have some guidance as well. Um, and, and it's all about storms, really. Um, and storms are in the news at the moment. I learned over the weekend that it's, uh, was it 56 years, 1953, that there was this tremendous storm on the East Coast where eventually something like 500 people died as a result of that storm. So, you know, talking talk about storms, we're, we're banging the news. And, uh, well, there's a financial storm, isn't there? And was it Gordon Brown who said this last weekend that uh, we are in the middle of a global financial storm? So storms are all around us. So we're going to pick up, uh, you know, what it does for me when I do it, it makes, makes the Bible very relevant. You know, because the things that you think are way back in the past have a message for us today. So we pick up the reading, Acts chapter 26 and the last verse. <clears throat> Agrippa said to Festus, this man could have been set free if he'd not appealed to Caesar. When it was decided that we would sail for Italy, Paul and some other prisoners were handed over to a centurion named Julius, who belonged to the Imperial Regiment. We boarded a ship from Adramitium, about to sail for ports along the coast of the province of Asia, and we put out to sea. Aristarchus, a Macedonian from Thessalonica, was with us. The next day we landed at Sidon, and Julius, in kindness to Paul, allowed him to go to his friends so that they might provide for his needs. From there we put out to sea again and passed to the Lee of Cyprus, because the winds were against us. When we'd sailed across the open sea off the coast of Cilicia and Pamphylia, we landed at Myra in Lycia. There the centurion found an Alexandrian ship sailing for Italy and put us on board. We made slow headway for many days and had difficulty arriving off Canidus. When the wind did not allow us to hold our course, we sailed to the Lee of Crete, opposite Salmoni. We moved along the coast with difficulty and came to a place called Fair Havens near the town of Lycia. Much time had been lost and sailing had already become dangerous because by now it was after the fast. So Paul warned them, men I can see that our voyage is going to be disastrous and bring great loss to ship and cargo and also to our own lives also. But the centurion, instead of listening to what Paul said, followed the advice of the pilot and of the owner of the ship. 
Since the harbour was unsuitable to winter in, the majority decided that we should sail on, hoping to reach Phoenix and winter there. This was a harbour in Crete, facing both southwest and northwest. When a gentle south wind began to blow, they thought they'd obtained what they wanted, so they weighed anchor and sailed along the shore of Crete. Before very long, a wind of hurricane force called the Northeaster swept down from the island. The ship was caught by the storm and could not head into the wind, so we gave way to it and were driven along. As we passed to the lee of a small island called Corda, we were hardly able to make the lifeboat secure. When the men had hoisted it aboard, they passed ropes under the ship itself to hold it together. Fearing that they would run aground on the sandbars of Sirtis, they lowered the sea anchor and let the ship be driven along. We took such a violent battering from the storm that the next day we began to throw the cargo overboard. On the third day they threw the ship's tackle overboard with their own hands. When neither sun nor stars appeared for many days, the storm continued raging. We finally gave up all hope of being saved. After the men had gone a long time without food, Paul stood before them and said, Men, you should have listened to my advice and not set sail from Crete. Then you would have spared yourselves this damage and loss. But now I urge you to keep up your courage because not one of you will be lost. Only the ship will be destroyed. Last night, An angel of the God whose I am and whom I serve stood beside me and said, Don't be afraid, Paul. You must stand trial before Caesar, and God has graciously given you the lives of all who sail with you. So keep up your courage, men, for I have faith in God that it will happen just as he told me. Nevertheless, we must run aground on some island. On the fourteenth night, We were still being driven across the Adriatic Sea, when about midnight the sailors sensed that they were approaching land. They took soundings and found that the water was 120 feet deep. A short time later they took soundings again and found it was 90 feet deep. Fearing that we would be dashed across the rocks, they dropped four anchors from the stern and prayed for daylight. In an attempt to escape from the ship, The sailors let the lifeboat down into the sea, pretending that they were going to lower some anchors from the bow. Then Paul said to the centurion and the soldiers, Unless these men stay with the ship, you cannot be saved. So the soldiers cut the ropes and held the lifeboat, and it fell away. Just before dawn, Paul urged them all to eat. For the last 14 days, he said, you've been in constant suspense and have gone without food. You haven't eaten anything. Now I urge you to take some food. You need it to survive. Not one of you will lose a single hair from his head. After he said this, he took some bread and gave thanks to God in front of them all. Then he broke it and began to eat. They were all encouraged and ate some food themselves. Altogether, there were 276 people on board. When they'd eaten as much as they wanted, they lightened the ship by throwing the grain into the sea. When daylight came, they did not recognise the land, but they saw a beach, or rather a bay with a sandy beach, where they decided to run the ship aground if they could. 
cutting loose the anchors, they left them in the sea, and at the same time, un- um, at the same time, untied the ropes that held the rudders. Then they hoisted the foresail to the wind and made for the beach. But the ship struck a sandbar and ran aground. The bow stuck fast and would not move, and the stern was broken to pieces by the pounding of the surf. The soldiers planned to kill the prisoners to prevent any of them from swimming away and escaping. But the centurion wanted to spare Paul's life and kept them from carrying out their plan. He ordered those who could swim to jump overboard first and get to land. The rest were to get there on planks or on pieces of the ship. In this way, everyone reached land in safety. Once safely on shore, we found out that the island was called Malta. And I would say just at this point, it's quite incidental the fact that when I was last with you, I talked about Malta, and Malta's here today. That, there's no plan in all of that. Anyway, that's the word of the Lord.